1: On round two, Queen's Park Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star, Robert Benzie, is here. Richard Krause is the host of the podcast, Last Call with Richard Krause. Sunira Chaudhry is an employment lawyer at Workley Law. Good morning to everybody and let's start with the story that is on everybody's minds this morning. And I might as well start with the guy who covers Queen's Park. Were you up bright and early at five o'clock, Robert Benzie, to (laughs) cover the beginning of this session? I'm going to fail the
2: exam, John. No, uh, mercifully, Ah. I don't have to cover this story today. No Uh, way. uh, My colleague, Chris Rochelle, he is covering it, but the, I've been watching the debate, I've been keeping an eye on the debate. Just, uh, uh, It's interesting, you know, it's not often that they start at 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, some of the MPPs from all the parties
1: are making uh, interesting points. So, Okay, so where do you see the game moving this week, or is it entirely unpredictable?
2: I mean, no, I think that the government has a majority, and they and they have the they have they have time to pass it. Uh, they will pass it, but uh, the union says they're still going to strike. Now, the, the interesting thing in this brinksmanship game, John, is that the fines are really, really stiff five hundred thousand dollars a day for the union and four thousand dollars a day per employee. Now, the union has said it would cover the employees' fines if they strike Friday, but that that there's fifty five thousand employees, so you're looking at two hundred million dollars. The, the QP will bankrupt itself if they if they have a wildcat strike for too long
1: all right but richard Crouch, maybe
3: on the upside we can balance the budget <laughs> yeah maybe so i mean what a mess this has turned into you've got 5 a.m emergency meetings there's sniping in the press there's constitutional rights being abolished there's greed there's avarice it has all the makings of of uh like the new linwood Barclay novel uh <laughs> you know the it, it, after years of disruption in the school system, I think that I understand why Ford and uh, his government would think that, you know, legislating people back to work or, or preventing the strike by legislation uh, would play well with parents. And I get that it's been two years of misery for students and and parents. But when you're just trampling on people's constitutional rights. I also think that leaves a mark that leaves a scar on your legacy as well so I know it's early on in his term by the time you know re-election comes up this probably won't even be an issue to be long forgotten but um, I don't think that this is a wise move uh, on either side I think that what they should be doing is sitting down and negotiating and negotiating hard instead of having you know the sessions at 5am get together talk this out and work until it's fixed Uh, parents are upset Voters will be upset. I think I just, it's a mess. It's a mess top to bottom. And without dwelling too much on the whole constitutional aspect, Sanira, I wanted
1: to ask you a question, which was, originally the notwithstanding clause was engineered because there would be these rare instances where the intent of the government ran afoul of a possible charter right, therefore they would invoke the notwithstanding clause. Now it just seems like, you know, we're we're imposing it willy-nilly just because we don't want people to have certain rights.
0: Sure. I think at its basis, why this matters is because if a government is going to step in and suggest we can temporarily suspend your rights to advance a political agenda, uh, that is something that everybody should be raising alarm bells on because soon enough it's going to become commonplace. It's not something Canada should be, you know, dipping their little toe into because it's it's super dangerous to do that. And I think Doug Ford here could have waited. I mean, there's an 11% wage increase that CUPE is seeking. It isn't, of course, um, palatable for any parent, as as Richard rightly pointed out, for their kid to stay at home. Let the union sort of uh, hang, hang itself on this one because ultimately you are not going to um, have public support for an 11% wage increase at a time where we are on the brink of a looming recession. People are losing their jobs and eventually, you know, a lot of these support workers, if you let the market dictate what these workers should be making, I mean, go ahead and look at Indeed right now for early education workers, for custodial staff at private schools. Those types of uh, wages are just not comparable to what we're seeing in the market.
1: Well, let me ask, as we wrap up this particular chapter of the roundtable, but Robert Benzie, we're early in this particular administration, so you do the unpopular, ugly stuff, and nobody remembers when they get to the ballot box. Do you believe that the Ford administration and Stephen Lecce and company are going to prevail in all of this, that they will legislate a settlement and move on, and the workers may strike for one day, but, you know, after Christmas, who's going to remember it? I mean, I think what they're doing, John, is sending a
2: signal. I mean, in a, in a, in a sad way, I was thinking of the Bo- the Bob Dylan song, Only a Pawn in their game this morning, because the QP workers are the lowest paid education workers, and they are the pawns in this game, and they're pawns in a game between the teachers' unions and the government. So what the government, the teachers' unions were using QP as as sort of a trial balloon, like see, oh, 11%, let's see, if you guys get whatever, let's say you get 6%, then that's what we'll get. Um, and of course they weren't going to get that. Uh, I and the government is, what they're doing is basically is sending a signal to, you know, the Elementary Teachers Federation, the Ontario Secondary Schools Teachers Federation, and all the other teachers unions that we're going to treat, we're going to be heavy-handed with CUPE, uh, so bring it on. And, and and they know, I think, they have the polling to show that there isn't a lot of public sympathy to what Sunira and Richard are saying, toward the, 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 the plight of huge settlements um, after two and a half pandemic years. So I think the government, I don't know, I, I assume they Will prevail now. Whether people will remember in in four years, uh, th- there's going to be a lot of other things that will be on their mind. I mean, gov- governments accumulate so much baggage. Second terms are notoriously hard, hard on governments. That's why so few get a third term. So I think uh, I think th- this will, this won't be at the top of the list in 2026, but it, it might it might be the beginning of a of, of, a, of a list of other things.
1: <laughs> it was a sad couple of days for former police chief in Ottawa, Peter Slowly, effectively being able to, you know, expose for everybody the insubordination he had under him, the pressure he had over him, and then the somewhat uncivil discourse in the office place where he was asked about something he's alleged to have said.
2: So you don't recall it or it didn't happen?
3: I don't recall the combination of things that she's talking about here, sir.
2: And you don't recall saying that you'll cut off Dave Springer's nuts and use them as bookends?
3: (laughs) And use them as bookends? No, sir. I don't recall saying that. I don't think I've ever
1: said anything like that. (laughs) Richard Krauss, I think I heard you giggling in the background, because let's
3: face it, that appeals to our inner eight-year-old. It sure does. Maybe that's another line for the Linwood Barkley book. You know, it sounds like something that people would remember if you're reading about this. You know, I've been reading this story and uh, it just it, the humiliation of having to like go on Kijiji to try and find heavy tow trucks. Uh, there's just so much that just feels so amateur and so wrong and so kind of out of control about this story uh, that he should just simply be embarrassed. This is an embarrassing situation and uh, all around handled poorly uh, but uh, I have you know can only believe that as this goes on there's going to be more of this kind of uh, of these kind of revelations that I think people will find shocking slash amusing at the same time
1: yeah I mean because what's happening here Robert Benzie is effectively we're shedding light on the kind of stuff that happens in every workplace it's just this is a police department in a crisis
2: Exactly, John, and you—you know—we, you and I've been around newsrooms a lot, and there's a lot of salty talk uh, in newsrooms. Um, and uh, as Nick Marana said, things got testy uh, at the at the inquiry. Oh, um, <laughs> but uh, I, yeah, I I think the 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 uh, slowly has fairly or unfairly been the fall guy for a lot of failings. There were failings by the uh, by his whole force, his whole police force in Ottawa was uh, the senior command there. I, I, there should be a, a house cleaning clearly because they have. T- so much fighting and so many problems. The Mounties d- did a lousy job, yeah. and-, and-, and the OPP wasn't much better. So, I, I mean, I think the fact that th- that he was saying that about an OPP officer, which is what Dave Springer is, it suggests that there were tensions behind the scenes. Well, that was evident, because nothing was getting done in in front of the cameras. We couldn't see what was happening. So I think, at the end of the day, I actually think that Tr- Trudeau's decision to invoke the Emergencies Act, it won't be exonerated in this court, but it's already it's already been in the court of opinion. It's been proven to be the right thing to do, because the cops couldn't get their act together and neither could the city of Ottawa or the province. So the Prime Minister had to do something. I actually think that
1: history is going to judge him more kindly than this inquiry will. Uh, And Sunira, I think we've found you again. Um, I I, I think the idea of uh, those particular things as bookends is probably not uh, all that efficacious. (laughs) It's not practical. No, it's not practical, but still. (laughs) Um, You know, what we're talking about here, Sunira, is as Robert and uh, Richard have observed, is the level of paralysis that prevailed that may have actually, may inform very much the decision of the feds to impose the Emergencies Act.
0: Yeah, but uh, you know, I have to venture that when, as an employment lawyer, you hear a lot of these um, sort of moments, moments of crises, uh, uh, you, you know, a lack of judgment being blown up, and I think, uh, to Benzie's point earlier, it, it's 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 that it's it, it's it's a sort of a vacuum moment that's going to be sort of exploded to sort of suggest what um, uh, you know the underpinnings of the uh, of, of the moment and the organization and the relationships are. And sometimes, you know, we can play that. And I think this was an embarrassing moment. Absolutely. I don't think anybody wants to be asked that question uh, in a public inquiry, but it's it's very strategic and very tactical to do so because we're talking about it today. It's exactly, uh, it's exactly what happens in an inquiry of this kind, taking these sorts of moments that will sort of stay in the public mind because it's so you know it, it's so sensational but is it really is it really you know uh, an indication of what was happening I, I don't know i think it was just a tense moment
1: Okay, and not a lot of time on the clock, but uh, this is more of a lifestyle topic. I'll turn to Richard Krauss for just a second. Uh, One of the stories we're looking at this morning is how much mass-produced furniture is ending up at the dump, and apparently there's a huge glut of it that was bought during the pandemic that people no longer want. And when you reflect, you and I are the same generation, what our parents
3: did with their furniture, which was it was for life, it's quite the change. It really is quite the change. And, you know, I've been reading a great deal about sustainability recently. And um, a little while ago, I had a guy on my show who's written a book uh, about how we can just be better citizens for the for the planet. And one of the ways that we can do that is, he says, buy things. If you need things, buy things. But instead of having uh, genes that are going to fall apart. Uh, in the first year that you buy them because they're the cheapest that you can get. Buy at the top of your range because they'll last longer. And instead of having 15 pairs of pants that are going to fall apart, buy you know two good pairs that are going to uh, last you for years. It's the same with furniture. If you buy cheap furniture, it's going to fall apart. And where does it end up? It ends up in a in a landfill somewhere. Okay, we got to call it there because we're late for the news. Thank you.
1: Catch the round table, round one at 745. Round 2 at 8.45, weekday
3: mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.